Thank you, ladies, and what a powerful and such an appropriate song. Wow, how many of us today are standing here because we're standing on the prayers of our moms? And, um, and today, again, we want to recognize and thank God for each of you who have you spent those times on your knees and praying for us and, and ministering to us. And, you know, even as your children grow and they become knuckleheads and um, you, you, you still loving us, you know, and because um, we all, you know, it's all phases of life. I mean, it's, it's, it's phases of life. And you know, I've heard one mother say, you know, I've, I've, they talk about, you know, what, what phase for my children you like the best. And she said, I really love them all, you know, because they all bring a little bit something different. And, um, and, I, and I think that's how it should be. Folks, we all go through those seasons, and wherever, whatever season our child is in, well, thank the Lord for that. I'm going to ask you to take your Bibles, and if you would, turn to Exodus, the second chapter. And I'm just going to be using this as, a, as, as really an introduction point today, but um, it's just seeking the Lord. Lord, what, what, do, I, what do I say? What do I, I preach on, on Mother's Day? And and the Lord put something very strong within my heart, and it's to the point I knew that, that that's what I was going to do. But in reading a lot of just some, some older, older sermons in the area of motherhood, um, there was just a, a phrase that was, was, was brought that just grabbed me. You know, sometimes when you're reading something, something just grabs you, and, and this, this grabbed me, and, and that's how I wanted to introduce this today. Uh, on the statement by this this old pastor that was writing back in the in the 1800s, and, um, and and I think that would give me a good introduction um, to this. Um, I was reading some other articles where George Washington said these words. George Washington said, "My mother was the most beautiful woman I ever saw. I, all I am, I owe to my mother. I attribute my success in." in life to the moral, intellectual, and physical education I received to her. And basically, George Washington say that, said that, you know, everything that, of who I am is because it's what my mama taught me. And, and wow, that, that should just stick to us, what my mama taught me. And if George Washington, the, the first president, what people know as the father of our nation, and and truly was a, was a great leader, but uh, a wonderful man. If he could stop and summarize his life and say, how did I get where I've come to, that he could take it and laser point it back to the things that his mom taught him in growing up. And I, ladies, I pray that today that you would stop and you would think about these things. And, 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 and although I'll be speaking to ladies, guys, it's just as important for you to understand and accept these principles. As I was praying, um, the Lord brought my mom to my mind. And um, this is my first year without, without my mom. And, and there's some others. You, this is your first year without your mom. Now, there was, uh, I, I, I went to the... Um, the card aisle the other day to pick up a, a card from my wife and and um, you know for just so many years I'd also pick up another Mother's Day card for my mom and I, I didn't buy that card this year but you know I wouldn't have her back because I know that 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 she's in much better position than I am today because her 
her faith was turned aside and that body that had worn out has just been restored. And, and Jeannie, you understand what I say. Do we miss them terribly? Um, but would we take them back? No. But I thank God for them. And what we do have is we have the memories of them. And it's really many times after they pass that we, we take that time to reflect upon them and wish we would have said some things that we, should, we, we, we said while they were still alive. But one of the things that God had, had just pressed upon my heart, I shared some of this at my, the message of my mom's funeral, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add on to that today. But today I want to share with you some simple lessons that my mama taught me. Now she would prefer the, the word mother, but I knew her as mama. And, um, and so that, that's, that's what I'm going to say. But, um, but I think there's a wonderful passage that I hope that you can just grab hold of what's being said. And we find in Exodus, the second chapter, let's all stand together as we read. We're going to be looking at second chapter of Exodus, verse 9. The children of Israel were in bondage in Egypt. And as the children of Israel had grown to such a great numbers, there's a Pharaoh that, that grew up that did not know the, the Joseph that had, had really had poured his life into Egypt, but, but it was through him the people of Israel came. No longer was favor being shown upon Israel. As a matter of fact, as they were growing as a nation, the, the Pharaoh began to be afraid of them. And so he, he charged that all the, the young men that, that, that were born to be thrown into the river. How, what a horrible time. Can you imagine as a mother that, that your child being ripped from your arms and throwing them into the river? But a child was, was born, his name was Moses, which means river. And his mom and his dad hid him for, for about three years. His, his mom's name was Jochebed. And, but, but as he grew, they knew there was, there was not going to be able to hold him any longer. So by faith, she, she took and she made a, there's such imagery here. She took a, a basket, which was called an ark, and, and, and she pitched it to make it waterproof and placed him in that ark and placed him in the river. What a beautiful picture of the, of, 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 of the ark that, that Noah and his family got in to protect them from, from the waters. And, and folks, Jesus Christ is our ark. He's our protection from, 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 from certain death. And she placed him within that. And by faith, can you imagine the pain of that mother and just pushing her child down that river? But under the providence of God, there's no accidents with God. That the person that found this, this child was, was Pharaoh's daughter. Apparently she had went down to the river to bathe and she had her entourage and maybe one of them said, well, we found a baby that's, that's, that's in this ark. And, and as soon as she saw that, she recognized that was of the Hebrew children. But, but, but God placed favor upon Moses and she fell in love with that child and says, I want to make that child mine. I want to bring him into the Pharaoh's house. Again, in God's providence, that Moses' little sister, maybe it was a part of one of her maidens, and she, and, 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 and she says, I know a woman that can nurse that child, not, not knowing that that was Moses' sister. She said, you go get her. And she went to get a, a Hebrew child, which just happened to be Moses' mom. Is that cool or not? And so she became the nursemaid of her own son. But listen to this, and, and ladies, I want you to carry this on in thought. What, what, what happened in, in, nine, in verse 9? It says, And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away and nurse it for me, 
and I will give thee thy wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. And the woman took the child and nursed it. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come and we praise you that, God, you're an amazing God. Even in the text that we're reading, Lord, how this, this mom so loved her child that she risked her own life and her family's life by protecting him for three years. And, and then, God, um, when the time came, she, she, she just by faith put him that river in, 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 a, in a little ark. And, and, God, you oversaw that child. And, God, that, that you put things into place where, Father, she was actually paid then to nurse her child, own child. And, God, you're so incredible of how you work in our lives. But, Father, there's more to the story than this, and I pray that that's what we might understand. And I pray today that, God, that you would bless the reading of this Scripture and, God, the preaching of this Word, and, God, that you would just rattle our hearts as as ladies as well as men, dear Father, about the lessons we teach our children. And so, God, bless this time. Use it in, in, in a way that will bring glory to the name of Jesus. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen. As we study the life of Moses and what an incredible, incredible life it was, it's just so very, very easy to forget the spaces that's not spoken of. You see, we understand Moses as this man that became a great man of God. He became a great prophet of God, a great leader of God, and he became the redeemer of Israel. As a matter of fact, today, when the Israelites look back on the great men in their history, Moses is at the very top of the list. But how did he get that way? How did Moses become the man that he was to do such the word that, or the work that God had planned for him? As a matter of fact, how did he become that way when he was raised in Pharaoh's home? That he was raised in all the riches and all the luxuries and, and anything that his soul desired and it, that, that, that Moses received that as a child. And then how could he become the man which the Bible itself said was the most humble or the most meek man on earth? I'll suggest to you because he had a godly mama. Because the story of of Moses' mama is not mentioned much more in Scripture. But we do see the results of that mama. Because when Jochebed, his mama, was, was, was divinely given that appointment to, to, to nurse her own child, she took that seriously. And when the Word of God teaches this, when the Word of God says, and Pharaoh's daughter said, and Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child away and nurse it for me. I will give thee thy wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. I suggest to you today what was going on there was much more than just a physical nursing going on. She was nursing that child much more than just physically. She was nursing that child uh, mentally and emotionally and spiritually. I believe if we looked into the, uh, began to really stop and think about it, it, it was more than when she didn't leave the child when the child was, was weaned from, from the breast, but, but she probably continued on as being the nanny of that child in the eyes of Pharaoh. But as we know, she poured her life into that child. 
Because how could that child do the things that he did? Because this is what the writer of Hebrews said when he was speaking in that great hall of faith. This is how he described Moses, this child that was nursed by this woman. He says in Hebrews, the 11th chapter, verse 24 through 27, he says, By faith Moses, when he became of age, refused to be the called the son of the Pharaoh's daughter. He's cho- he, he, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. Now, I think it's interesting where, where, where it says, esteeming the reproach of Christ. Moses lived some 2,000 years before whom we know as Jesus Christ, but he knew about the Christ. He says, he esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, and he looked and he looked to the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. How did Moses grow in such a way that even as a young man, he pushed away the riches of Egypt? for the reproach of Christ? How did he grow up knowing about the people of Israel? How did he grow up knowing about the Christ who was to come? I'm telling you, moms, I'm telling you, dads, there was a mother who nursed him. And today, my challenge is to you to understand that when God has given you his child, that he has challenged you to nurse his children, just as Pharaoh's daughter challenged Jochebed to nurse that child. Think of the concept. Think of the responsibility that God has placed in your stead, the responsibility of nursing his children, much more than physical, but spiritually emotionally, and socially. You see, I thank God for women who take that responsibility to heart, understanding that this is just not my child. This is the child that God has placed in my womb, a child that was wonderfully and perfectly made. You see, today I stand and celebrate today because I had a mom that took that responsibility greatly. And today, I just want to share with you some very basic things. As I stopped, I meditated, and I think about my mom, some of the things that she poured into my life as she was nursing me. Now, if you talk to my older brothers and sisters, they would tell you that mama nursed me until the day she died. Gail, are you shaking your head? I've heard my mama, my brother say that forever, you know, that, 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 that Johnny would never get off the nursing, but he'd say it in a different way. <laughs> That's all right. I love being mama's boy. <laughs> but I do thank the Lord for a mama who nursed us, much more than physical, but spiritual. She took responsible that teaching your children diligently. You know, from the time they get up, from the time that they're walking around, or there was always teaching moments. 
The first thing that, that my mom taught me was she taught me the priority of love. You know, if there's one thing that we, we knew and we understood very, very clearly within our house, and, and I'll, I'll say many times my mom, because my, my, they, they, my dad and her were, were great partners in this, this raising of the children, but they, they insisted and they displayed the priority of love within our home. As a matter of fact, one of my, my dad's favorite verses, or my dad's favorite verse, which, which mom would, would have said the same thing, was found in, in, in Matthew, the, the 22nd chapter, verse 36, when, that, um, that the great commandment is, a, to, the, when it was asked the great commandment, Jesus said, to love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. That's what, that's what we, we heard in Deuteronomy. That is the Shema. That is the, the one thing that Jewish boys are, 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 have to recite seven times every day. That the Lord thy God is one, and you should love him with all your heart, with all your soul, and, 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 and all your mind. And then Jesus added to that, because how do we love God with all our soul, with all our heart, with all our mind? We love God by loving people. Because Jesus says the second commandment is this, is to love your neighbor as yourself. And, 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 and that was just so part of, of the home that we grew up in. It was love God and love people. You see, we have to understand that the way that we, we, we come to know God is, is through the pictures of God that we get through us. And, and, and moms and dads, you have to understand that you are the picture of Jesus Christ in your child's life. You, as, 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 as parents, are the ones who are going to teach your child about the invisible God. That's what it said about Moses, that he was able to do these things and worship him and follow him even though he was invisible. He was, God is invisible because he's spirit, but folks, how he becomes visible to us is through our life as parents before them because we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are the one whom Jesus dwells, and we are that responsibility to teach our children what God looks like by the way we behave and we conduct ourselves. And first of all, that, that I thank God for moms who teach their children to love God. And you can't teach something that you don't have. You can't tell your children to love something that you don't love because they'll realize a fraud and they'll pick up a, a hypocrite very, very early. But if you love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, your children will begin to see that that is what your world revolves around. As a matter of fact, it doesn't revolve around the children. It revolves around God. I thank God for, for, for biblical uh, or, or moms and dads who are biblical in their thinking that, that their world is focused on God and not the children. Why? Because, folks, you can't be the parent that you need to be if you are not worshiping God and have him in the place he needs to be. Mama loved her children, but I can tell you, she didn't worship her children. She worshiped her God. And she loved him with all of her heart and her soul. She loved his son, Jesus Christ. I mean, Jesus Christ was just as real to me growing up as, as, a, as, if, if, as if he was sitting right here with me because his name was mentioned in, in every aspect of our life. And so very naturally, it was easy for me when I began to learn, and because I've seen the faith of my mom, for her faith to be transferred to me because Jesus was real to me as it was lived out in her life. She loved his word. She loved the word of God. 
as we began to clean her house and, and um, after she had passed and we began to gather things together. And how many tattered Bibles was there that was absolutely, the margins were filled where she would, where she would just, um, had written in her margins. And then later in life when her eyes had gotten bad and she couldn't do one thing that, she couldn't read very well, but the one thing that she would read was her Bible. Because that was truth to her. She loved God, but she, she loved his word. And it was through the love of the word that she could transfer the love of the word onto us. And, and that was one of the great joys in, in her latter life is when, when she was almost be comatose. If you'd begin to read the word to her, it almost like she would come back to life. Because it was precious. You'd read those Psalms to her and you'd read John to her. And, and that life, that, 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 that mind that hadn't been able to think on things would just come to life and she'd know exactly what you were saying. She loved God's church. You see, she loved the things that God loved and God loved her church and you better believe that my mom loved the church. And she wanted to be there every time the doors opened. And I can tell you, as children, we kicked and screamed and yelled and fought. But you know what? We were there Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. There was a... Dinner on the grounds, we were, we were eating off the ground. You know, whatever was going on, we, we, we because that was Mama's church. And, 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 and because and that was Mama's church, because that was Christ's church. And so, therefore, she wanted to be a part of his church. See, I can't understand where, 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 where parents today don't think the church is not important because, folks, this is the body of Christ. And it's much more important to be around the body of Christ when God's people, because we need one another. And, and we learned very quickly that your church family was just as important as your biological family. And, and, um, and, and, and she taught us that. She poured those things into it. And I thank God that she created those habits within us. My dad was a cattleman, and, and so therefore, you know, cattle don't get out on the convenient time. Sometimes they get out in the middle of the night. Sometimes they get out on Sundays. Um, also, they went to, to, to market on, on Mondays. But you know what was amazing about, about that? There was many a Sunday morning we got up before daylight, went and put the cows in, but we were back for Sunday school. Or we'd have to leave church and go do some work, and then we were, we're back for Sunday night service. Mom and Daddy didn't look for an excuse for us to be out of church. They just made sure we were in church. I remember traveling through Georgia one time. We never took many vacations, but I, I went with my mom and maybe Aunt Cherry. You might have been with us, but we stopped in Georgia someplace on the way to, to maybe my Aunt Helen's. And guess what? We didn't just go to church. We went to Sunday school. And, and I mean, it, my, they were going to be in church on Sunday, and it wasn't just going to be the worship service. I mean, I, I, remember, I remember just as clear day sitting in that little room with all these kids I didn't know in Sunday school. And just think about the lessons that was teaching a child is, is, is the importance of church and the importance of church family. And so through my mom, I began to understand the love of God and, 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 and the love of his word and the love of his church and, 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 and then to correspond upon that, upon the love of people, to love people. I'm telling you, that was absolutely that was absolutely drilled into us as children. That we're to honor people, we're to respect people, that we don't 
talk about people and, and that we would treat others as, as the golden rule says, as you would have them to treat you. If, 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 if you was ever heard speaking badly about somebody, your case would get jumped. If you ever, you know, had a, a prejudice type of a thought because of somebody's skin wasn't your color, because they didn't have the same clothes and shoes that you had, uh, you'd get jumped. You know, that's when mama would turn into that gorilla, if you please, because she might have been a little woman, but she had a lot of fire in her. And, and, and they, they loved people. It was amazing that they really loved the down-and-outers. It seemed to be the ones that, that, that didn't have as much. You see, we saw that. We saw our parents live out that love before us. And I can't ever thank them enough. Because God says you need to love the Lord, the God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Those were not only words to us. Those were teachings to us that was brought out. And parents, let me explain to you, that doesn't come by accident. Your children don't learn to respect people by accident. Remember, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. As a matter of fact, the sinful nature of your child is disrespect people. And so you're the ones that has to, to be there to correct them. And moms, you're the one that knows your child the best. You have to, learn, you have to teach your children to, to honor their authorities because that will not come natural to them. You don't need to defend for your child every time the teacher calls and always give an excuse for your child. You, the, the way that they, will, that they will honor authority is they see that you honor authority. Again, you can't teach your child to do something they do not see you doing. And I can tell you, in our lives, the teacher was always right. And we never won't. All a teacher would have to say is, I'm going to call you mom's house. And that's all they needed to say. See, that doesn't come natural. You have to teach them that. You have to teach your child to look someone in the eye and give them a handshake. You have to teach your children to, to honor other people. And I can tell you, they'll be better for it teaching them to yes, sir, and no, sir, and to use proper way. I thank God for a mama that taught me to love God and love people and respect them and to honor them. And see, that starts within the home. And parents, I challenge you, you can't teach your children what you don't do yourself. And so it begins with you and me. Another thing that my mom taught me, well, she taught me the joy of giving. If there was anything that mom and dad taught me of loving people, and I think it's just an extension of that, is the celebration and the joy it is to give to other people, to be generous. Paul wrote of these words what God had spoken to him what Jesus Christ has spoken to him in, in Acts when he says in Acts 20, 35, 
you know, I've showed you all things that how you, how that so laboring you are to support the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said it is, is more blessed to give than to receive. And wow, did my mom and my dad understand that. As a matter of fact, they gave at times it was a detriment to the children because they recognized there was a need that was, that was so big. Our home was actually a, almost a terminal that any time of the day there was someone knocking at our door because they needed somebody to help them. And guess what? They never left without being helped. I think about one of my heroes. His name was Zig Ziglar, and he grew up in Yazoo, Mississippi. And he was his his dad had died, and and when he was really young, and they they lived right by the railroad track in Yazoo, Mississippi. And mom, the mom took her kitchen and made a little restaurant out of it to feed people. But Zig Ziglar has had taught. He says, I don't know how many people being on that train during the days of the Depression, would get off that train with, with nothing to eat and no money to buy their food, and my mama fed them right out of our kitchen. See, can you imagine the lessons that Zig Ziglar learned that even though their family was on hard times, there was other families that was on worse times? And mama figured out a way to give to others. You see, friends, that's not, that's not, we're not talking about money here. We're talking about what you're teaching your children here. And what you're teaching that are the important things of life. You're teaching the, the principle of sowing and giving that, that if I give others, then God's going to replace what I have because that's all God wants us to do. He wants to minister to others, and then he will minister to us in return. And so when that joy of giving is learning that we have a God who will bless and will honor, and, and, and the only way we teach that is by doing it. Don't sit there and, again, tell your children you need to do this and do that when we're not doing it ourselves. Because you, you're robbing them of the, one of the great joys that's more blessed to give than to receive. That was the words of our Lord Jesus Christ himself. And that we're to give cheerfully. And so we're robbing our children of that great blessing, of that joy of giving. And I thank God for that lesson that was taught us. She always also taught us the power of prayer. We just heard the lady sing about the prayer warrior. My mama prayed, and that's how I was taught to pray. See, I've never really thought about it. I've had people as adults ask me, well, Pastor, I don't know how to pray. What they're telling me then, you didn't have a mama who prayed. Because if you sit and you've listened to your mama pray time after time after time, it becomes very natural to you of how you're to pray. Think about that. Mamas, are you teaching your children to pray? Not only are you teaching them to pray, but are, are you, are, are, through your prayers, are they seeing the power of prayer? That prayers are answered. Why? Because someone prayed. And that was very natural within our home. 
I mean, from the simple things is never, never, ever was a meal set down that we didn't pray over that meal, how meager it may be. It just didn't happen. I mean, it just didn't. We were never too busy to thank God for the food that he gave. Never, ever. No matter whether it's at home or in a restaurant or wherever. I mean, she wasn't embarrassed about that. And again, what is that teaching a child? It's teaching us the priority of, of, uh, and the importance and the, and the power of prayer. And by hearing that, those, power, those prayers repeated in front of us, it's very natural for us to then to learn how to pray. I've told this story so many times before, but, I mean, it's a story that stuck in my mind. As a matter of fact, I was walking through my mom's house just the other day, and it had been cleaned out, and I walked at a certain place because that's right where I was sneaking in late one night. And as I walked by her room, I heard my name being called because I, I, I could take you to the place in the house where she was on her knees calling my name. I guarantee you that, in fact, that affected an old knucklehead's life. When, you've heard your, when you hear your mama call your name and you walk by and it wasn't scripted, praying for me, so I didn't know until later that when I was born, she'd prayed for me to be a preacher one day. I never knew that until I became a preacher. Folks, prayer works. And the way that prayer is taught is through real people. And, and she taught us that that power, that power of prayer See, the Word of God says the effectual prayer of a righteous man avails much. And I'm sure that word man is, is used in a very generic term, meaning women also. The effectual prayer of a righteous woman avails much. And I'm telling you, so many of us today are sitting here today, and we've prospered today because of the prayers of our mom. And so, so if we ask ourselves, does prayer work, then just look around and look at yourself. I, could look, I can look back in my life and see where my life could have went sideways so many times because of bad decisions I made. And I believed as much as anything is what protected me is the prayers of my mama. She couldn't be with me everywhere, but she could pray for me. Another thing that, that mom taught us was the honor of integrity. Again, this, is, this has to be taught. It doesn't come natural to a child. Remember, 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 foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. Your children have received the sin nature of their dad, and so it's very natural for your children to lie, cheat, and steal. I mean, that's, you don't have to teach them those things. And so integrity has to be taught. It does not come natural. And it's taught by those who are closest influence. Solomon writes in Proverbs 22.1, a good name is rather to be chosen rather than great riches and a love and favor rather than silver or gold. And our mom believed in a good name. I'm telling you, we heard that a whole lot. But how you live a, have a good name is you, you live by integrity. You always tell the truth. You always pay your bills. You always, uh, you always keep your word. 
And those were just standards. But again, integrity was not simply taught us, it was lived out before us. You know, sometimes it's hard to keep your word. Sometimes it's, it's hard to keep a promise, but you know what? If, you're, if, you, if your word is your name, then you have to do that. And that was lived out before us, and it was instilled within us. Again, moms, you have to teach your children integrity. integrity. It does not come natural to them. And you teach them by the way you live with integrity, and also you have to discipline them and correct them along the way. Nurture, and that when it says to, to bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, nurturing means to cultivate. You've got to constantly be pulling, pulling the weeds out of their lives. My garden, I have to get out there weekly and, and pull the weeds out and begin to cultivate around my garden, or, or, or the weeds are just going to take over. And the, the admonition is that idea of you've got to confront them with the Word of God. And, and you, you, you have to confront them and their wrongdoings. You, you don't worry about hurting your child's feelings. I, I would rather hurt my child's feelings than, 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 than disaster destroy them in the future. And, 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 and teach them integrity to have that good name. God says a good name is better than riches and gold. It's better than silver and gold. It's always doing the right thing. My mom also taught me the perseverance of never quitting. You think, well, what's the big deal about that? Well, I, I think it's a pretty big deal. Because that was, that, was, that was high up on her list. I can't tell you how many times I love sports and, and you'd go and, and, and maybe things didn't work out. Maybe it was a little bit harder. And, and, and boy, every, every spring or every beginning of fall doing two-a-days, I wanted to quit. And one thing about it, when you started a project with Mama, you didn't quit. You, you carried it through. See, the Bible says whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord. And why is that so important? Because life is hard out there. And when you go out and, and live life, your children's going to understand everything don't always go their way. Sometimes they don't make the team. Or they may not get, they may not, they might not be on the position they want, or the the, the you know, or they, they might not be on the first team. Or maybe they have a boss that, that, that reams them out one day. See, it's very natural to want to quit. But there's a, you have to learn and teach your children the perseverance of not quitting. You have to keep pushing through because if they, be, if they begin to quit because they didn't wear the, couldn't wear the dress they wanted to on the cheerleading team, they're going to quit throughout life. And instead of going and defending your children and jumping on a coach, you just teach your children, you just don't quit. You just hang in there. You keep pushing through because what that will teach your child is perseverance. Because life is not easy and life is not fair. And you have to teach your children, you just keep pushing on through life. And if they watch you do that, there were situations in my mom's life that I, if, if I was her, I would have bailed out. I would have quit because, you know, from my perspective, looking back, she was done wrongly. 
And I was an adult, and man, I was so angry. And I said, Mom, how can you continue to be there? She says, because, son, I don't quit. See, she was still teaching her son, even when he was an adult, by the way that she lived. And he's never forgot that. But she taught me the perseverance of just never quitting and, and just keep striving and pressing toward the goal, toward the mark of the prize of the high calling. Another thing she taught me was the value of hard work. Man, I love what, how Paul writes in Paul, Ephesians, the fourth chapter, verse 28. Let him that stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is, which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. You work hard, so not only are you provided for, but that you can provide for somebody else. Now, <laughs> younger generation, our family, we worked we, there was very, very little idle time that we were not raised by TV. And there was just not a whole lot of idle time. Now, and they, 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 were not, they were not child laborers or anything like that, but there was always something to do. As a matter of fact, Mama would give you, give you four things to do before you finished the first thing. My, my mama got offended by this because she heard me say this in a sermon one time, but I meant it, and she took it the wrong way, obviously, because she thought I was rating her. But I was trying to build her up because my brother told me one time after he, he left home, he says, Johnny, he says, it's, it's been like vacation ever since I left home. <laughs> and he was saying that as a compliment. You know, they taught us to work. And so therefore, there was, now, hey, you may, you may be working as a, as, a, as a laborer somewhere, but you know it was work. You didn't sit around waiting for the, you know, most of us want, most of our children want to be bosses. You know, they want to go right into a place and be the boss. Or, you know, they, they, want, to, they, they want to make the top end of the pay scale. Hey, if you have to hoe, if you have to hoe, Hoe plants at grow plant making a dollar an hour. You hoe plants at grow plant. You know, if you have to tote boards as a, as a common labor, you know, at the construction job for, you know, for, for $3 an hour, and everybody else making, you toted boards. Because it was not about the money that you were making. It was about the value of working hard. And also having money. Oh, again, parents, we're doing a terrible job today because we don't want our children to suffer. They need to suffer. Life's hard out there. They need to mow your yards. They need to wash the dishes. Yeah, I wonder, did y'all wash a few dishes in your life? And clean. On Saturday mornings, I mean, the, ga- the gals had something. They had, they had responsibilities. The guys, we had something we were doing. And I realized, you know, it probably took daddy sometimes or, or mama sometimes longer to think about what we needed to be doing because it, it, it's, it, it takes work to keep your child working. But you got to do it. See, the easy thing is, is to let the TV be the babysitter. Or let the, 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 you know, the game boy, I would throw out all them game boys and, um, or whatever they're called now. And, and, um, because that, that's not teaching your child anything. 
It's, t- it's teaching them a false reality. Parents, it wouldn't hurt for you, you know, to gather up all the cell phones in your house and throw them out. I mean, when they get 17 or 18, they'd be ready for a cell phone. But, but what good is it now for them? I'm just, I'm just being frank with you. Your children are going to be what you teach them. I'll, I'll just throw this in. I, how many times I've been to a restaurant and I've seen the entire family sitting there and the whole family, the whole family with their cell phone. What type of interaction is that? What, think about it, parents. You're not even teaching your children to communicate with you. How can they communicate with somebody else? I mean, they're brain dead. And, but, but, but again, how does this happen? It's because there's parents that love them enough to teach them. And mamas, it really begins with you. You are the nurturer within the home. God has placed that really on your plate. You're the nurturer. And you need to be a tiger every now and then. She taught us the value of hard work. She also taught us the consequences of sin. Now we got wore out at our home. I remember my mama getting so mad at me, she'd pick up a fly swat and she'd hit, she'd hit me so hard with that fly swat so many times, the end of it would come off. She'd keep beating me with the wire, you know. <laughs> But then she'd always drop the nuclear bomb on me because she'd say, okay, I'm telling you, Daddy, when you get home, that was nuclear, I'm telling you. <laughs> That's the funny thing about, you know, a good round of discipline, it doesn't take but one or two of them to get their attention. That doesn't mean, it, parents, if all you are is a screaming mama, guess what? They turn up their listening skills. You know, you can scream and you just going to have to watch, you're going to have to scream a little bit louder. You shouldn't ever have to raise your voice very often at your children. As a matter of fact, if you're always screaming at your children, how can they really know when you do need to increase your voice and get their attention? You shouldn't have to tell them at one time. You know, we'll sit there and count this one, two, three stuff out. If you bust their hide one time, I'm telling you, it gets their attention. You see, because the Word of God teaches us that, you know, a father disciplines his child, and if you don't discipline your child, that means you're not a loving father or a mother. And we, you have to work together on that. I mean, it's, your children are dependent upon you to teach them that when they do wrong, then there's consequences for their sin. And, 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 if, and if they do wrong at school, there's consequences. Again, don't blame the teacher. We're, we're so much in blaming everyone else rather than your children. Remember, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. Your children will lie to you. Your children will manipulate you. And they're very good at it. And you have to be the adult to figure it out. Your child is not a little saint. And you have to teach them the consequences of sin that, first of all, that begins with you because, again, that's how we learn that God deals with, with, with the chastisement. It begins with the parents. And, again, you, you never abuse your child. And, you know, I say these things kind of laughingly. We were never abused as children, not at all. And we always knew that there was love behind that. We always knew that. And guess what? 
there was probably never any discipline that I didn't deserve and probably deserved a whole lot more. But we knew that there was a consequence of my sin. And I mean, literally, I would be off with a group of guys sometimes and they'd be up to no good and it would ring in my mind. They could go home and talk themselves out of it. I couldn't go home and talk myself out of it. Because I knew that there would be, there was a price to be paid. But folks, that's just, what about standing before God one day? Your children need to know that there's consequences for their sin, and one day they're going to stand before a holy God. They're not going to stand between mom and daddy. They're going to be standing before a holy God. And so therefore, if we kind of poo-poo away their sin or, or minimize their sin, then we're, we're, we're teaching them that, that we're, we're teaching them a false reality of God, that he's a holy God and he's a just God, because one day you're going to be standing in the same line of judgment and your child's going to be judged just like you're going to be judged. And so you need to live in fear of the Lord and teach your children to fear of the Lord that one day that we're going to be, be judged. And that's why we need Jesus Christ. And I thank God for a mama who taught me that. I thank God that that she lived Jesus Christ out before me. You know, as a 10-year-old boy, I recognized my need as a Savior. And I bowed my my, my head to Jesus Christ. Because I had a mama that taught me those things. Mama took me to church that night on a Tuesday night during a revival service. I was out playing ball. You see, as I look back, I, I think about, see, my mama, my mama nursed me, not physically, not just physically, but spiritually, emotionally, relationally. And that's why I was able to grow and serve God as a man, and pass on to my children what my mom passed on to me. And I thank God for that legacy. And maybe, moms, you, you grew up and you didn't have a Christian mama, and you're thinking, I, I weren't taught these things. You know what? You can start that legacy today. You can start that today. Maybe today you can begin to nail down that today... I'm going to be the teacher to my children that I need to be and that, that, that one day they can stand upon my shoulders and then my grandchildren will stand upon their shoulders one day. And it, all, it, it starts one time. As I close, I was so intrigued this week. I was reading, a, I get a publication that, that prints out sermons that were written a hundred years ago or this was on motherhood and I was reading through them but one of them was in a sermon. It was a it was a letter that was written by a mother to her unborn child. And I began to read that thing, I just began to get enthralled by it. And as a matter of fact, it was written in 1622, a few years ago. And this mother, and, and I read up that this, it was a genre during this day that this was going on, but this woman was writing to her, her unborn child, and then they didn't know whether it was a girl or a boy. They didn't have sonogram and all that stuff back then. And she was writing to her child just in case she didn't live 
of how she wanted her child to live. And man, it made me realize how small of a parent I am. Because this woman had some lofty goals for her children and how to live her life and fight against spiritual warfare and how you wake up each morning thinking on the things of God and you go to bed each night thinking on the things of God. And it was interesting enough that this woman died nine days after childbirth. But you know what? She had already planned out in her mind how she wanted her child to live. And we have that beautiful letter. As a matter of fact, I've got it printed for, for you all. And if, if you'd like to pick one of these up, I, I printed 75 of these. And, and um, it's, a, it's a long read. But as I, as I close out, I think about this. Here was this woman before her child was born and wrote a probably a 16-page letter to her child, very intense, of how her child should navigate through this life. I wonder how many of us as, as dads and moms have sat down before our child is born and really outlined what we want to teach our children. And I think in all reality, very few of us have. And then we wonder, well, where did it all go wrong? Well, folks, it, good parenting doesn't come by accident. It's like, it's like in, in playing ball. There's a, unless you have a good game plan, the other team's going to run over you. This woman had a game plan of how she wanted her child to live. And, and so therefore, when, if she would have lived on into motherhood, she would have already had thought through these things of what to teach her children. And I challenge you today as moms, and I challenge dads too, you need to put a game plan together for your children. That these are some things I want to instill upon them and, and, and that I'm going to stick to my game plan. And I'm telling you, your children will benefit because of that. Because there's someone that has thought through ahead of time that has made sure that they're going to be taught the things that God would have them to know. Pharaoh's daughter passed the child over to Jochebed and says, I want you to nurse my child. Jochebed nursed that child and that child grew up to be one of the greatest men in the history of mankind. He didn't grow up by accident. There was a woman that could continue to pour her life into him. And parents, I challenge you today, mothers, I challenge you today to make a game plan for your children. Start now and begin to serve them. Let's pray. Father, we love you, Lord, and God, we thank you for this day. And Holy Spirit, we just ask that, God, that you would just take this moment, that you would convict our hearts, and, God, that we could be the parents, the grandparents that you'd have us to be. But, God, it starts with us. And so right now, Father, I pray for the mothers. Right now, I pray for the dads. I pray that, God, that we can commit our lives in a way that, God, that we can lay the foundation and the legacy for our children that will come up behind us. God, let us be faithful. But, God, it all starts with Jesus Christ. It all starts with loving him with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind. And I pray right now for the spirit of conviction to fall upon this place. I pray, God, that there will be just a, a heaviness within our heart to be the men, the women that you'd have us to be. Let us teach our children 
what you'd have us have them to know. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.